show number 83 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. This is show 83 of Look at His Butt. And I've decided we're no longer going to introduce shows by numbers we're not? like that. Oh, really? We're not going to use standard mundane numbers. We're going to use variations of one to the 100th power. <laughs> okay, then. You can do that. And we're also going to measure time. Uh, by star date? No, no. by uh, the way Ilan of Troyes did. I will do it if it takes me a thousand light years. <laughs> not understanding the that it's a distance isn't not, a measure of time. Yeah, okay. So this show will not last a thousand light years. <laughs> I promise. Okay, now that Kirk, I, why don't people like me? <laughs> now that I have that white chocolate Kit Kat swallowed. <laughs> thank you for bringing that by the way. It was delicious. Anytime. Anytime. All right. Um let's talk about Star Trek colon the tour. <laughs> <laughs> the tour of the colon of the Star tour Trek. Of the colon. Um you know, I I every time I wanna type that I have to go look to see whether there's actually a colon in it. And if you go to the site there isn't, but if you look at the way it's referenced everywhere else there is. Okay. Sometimes is it, it has no punctuation? No, there? no punctuation. Star Trek the tour. No comma, no dash. Nothing. No, change of font? Not a damn thing. Star Trek the tour. Okay. I'm just telling you. Okay. Star Trek The Tour is now opened. Yay! Yes, they had a gala party for it. And uh, I'm sure it was galactic. I'm sure it was a gala. And there have been lots of pictures right now. Um, and we haven't gotten a report from any of our listeners who have been there. But if you go, tell us about it. We yes. want to hear it. But yes. it looks pretty fucking amazing. I it it looks wonderful. It, right now, it is in Long Beach, California. Yes, in the and I believe area. it's there till like mid-February. Mm-hmm. And then it's coming to San Francisco. And we don't know when. And then it's going to Minneapolis, I think. And then Detroit. And then Detroit. Those are the only cities that they they know so far. And, yes, as you said, they haven't said when any of this is going to happen. So we're just going to have to be patient. Um, So we wanted to talk about a couple things related to this. One is if you go to Shatner Vision, there's four different videos there right now, which we just watched. Two of them are the guy who is the spokesperson for C Entertainment, which is the company that's putting them on. His name is John David Riva. Oh, he must be a serial killer. He's got three names. Yeah, yeah. And he's not very articulate, but um, he talks a little bit about uh, why they chose Bill as the spokesperson and, and why they're doing it and blah, blah, blah. So you can watch that. It wasn't particularly enlightening. And then they showed Bill filming a commercial for it, which I guess is just running locally because I haven't seen that no. commercial anywhere. It'll play up here when uh, oh, that's right when, when it comes. comes to San Francisco. So that was good, and then they showed some outtakes from him filming said commercial. And Bill's such a pro, going through that thing, saying it twenty-seven different ways, mm-hmm. twenty-seven different times, getting yep. the lighting fixed, yep. doing everything. He's Bill. He's Bill, and he shills for everything. So I'll put some links up to that, and, and I might just post um, one of the, the ones where he does the commercial to the blog so people can see that and not have to go looking for it. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Um, and then we actually have some pictures from a couple different places. Right. So the ones you're looking at are from uh, Wire, Wire Image. Wire Image. Correct. And unfortunately, clicking them does not enlarge the photo unless you're going to register and do all that crap. But I swear, in this one picture... Of Bill, first picture of Bill in the no, second picture of Bill in the captain's chair. Um, yes. Look where it's pointing. <laughs> There's some basket there. He's showing basket. It it's, is 
in honor of Kirk. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool to see him sitting in the captain's chair, I got to say. Yeah, Just, yeah. Well, if you go later into these several pages <clears throat> later, there are, it's kind of like when we had the Brant and Kirk dolls both in the chair. <laughs> There's a picture of his wife, Elizabeth, sitting on his lap really? in the captain's oh. chair. He looks very Kirk like he's got his hand under his chair. I know, there. he's doing his Kirk thing. Doing his Kirk thing. But uh, these, these are pretty cool. Um, uh, there's pictures of, of Will Wheaton. There's him and Elizabeth, well, yeah. you know, sort of snuggling up. But um, the, like I said, later on, there's ones of... There's Tim Russ yes. who was there. There's a few other actors there. There were lots and lots of people taking lots and lots of pictures. Right. And Jane and Sandy from the fan club took pictures. But I don't know that they've posted them yet. I'll mm-hmm. have to recheck that. But, but look yeah. at him. Look at these Kirk pose right there. Yeah. With the fingers laced together. Yeah, well, look at this. Leaning on the... Oh, boy. Yep. One of the things that they have there is the Guardian of Forever. Yeah, and here's Bill as the um, host of the Guardian of Forever game <laughs> show. <laughs> Apparently, they had a big gala party, and a lot of the people were wearing suits, including Bill in that one picture, mm-hmm. and, and Will Wheaton also. Um, she she was, uh, oh, I can't remember her character's name on the show. She was the nurse who assisted uh, T- on TNG. What the hell was her name? Oh. Dr. Crusher. That yeah, was I know. Assistant, and I can't oh, okay. remember her name on the show. I feel terrible. Well, there's also a couple pictures of Arlene Martell, who, looks who played Tapring. She does look really good. But, you know, it's really funny. I mean, she has such distinctive facial structure. And to see how that is has aged into sort of like little apple cheeks. And she <laughs> looks kind of like somebody's grandma, but in a, in a really cool, cool way, you know. Oh, those are cool pictures. So, yeah, there, there are quite a few of them here. There's several pages of them. But it, it oh, the tour just looks and sounds so fantastic. I can't wait to go. Now, what was the guy saying? It, it's 50,000 square feet. Yeah, that's a lot of crap. Yeah. On the site at, at Star Trek No Punctuation, the tour site, there are layouts of mm-hmm. how it is. So there's different sections that you can go into, and I think some are more interactive. There's some parts of it that are just a museum where you can right. see things like Spock's uniform and stuff like that. But then there's parts where you can go and actually do things. So I will put up a link to Will Wheaton's uh, Flickr stream because he had some very funny captions, a couple of which I'll read right here. So he, there's a picture of Spock's uniform, and his caption says, At the neck of this uniform is the same little invisible, which is in quotes, zipper that we all had on all of our TNG spacesuits. When I saw that, I thought it was massively cool that they had to endure the same zipper trauma that we did. And besides that, dude, Mr. Freakin' Spock's uniform! (laughs) Which is in all caps. Um, There was an interview or something somewhere with Bill where he was talking about this, and he was saying they, they showed him a uniform, and he said that I had supposedly worn. And he said... It looked awfully small. <laughs> <laughs> so here's another picture of Will, and he's sitting at in his chair. Yeah, he used to his sit. Will Wheaton he, chair. And he says, "When I was a teenager, I got tired of sitting in this chair really fast. <laughs> As an adult, though, it brings back only fond memories. Seconds before this photo was taken, I typed my fingers across the Okudogram using the same series of commands that I made up to send the ship to warp speed. Yes, I was such a geek. I invented my own fake logic for driving the spaceship." When you're sitting there saying, I, sir, for hours at a time, you've got to do something to keep yourself entertained, right? Well, and that is very true. Remember, they had that in uh, Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Where Tommy says, oh, yeah, I had it all worked out. Yeah. And then there's a nice picture of him jumping through the Guardian of Forever. He says, at Star Trek The Tour, you can take a picture of yourself jumping through the Guardian. So I did. (laughs) 
I think that's great that it's so interactive. Yeah, that you don't too. just stand there and go, wow, it's the guardian of forever. But you get We that. have to do all that crap when we go. All of it. And we were talking about this, you know, when it comes to San Francisco, whenever it does, we're really going to have to stay on top of things because if... You know, if Bill comes to San Francisco for for one of the days or the opening or something, we definitely have to go then. Yes. So I can't wait. I think it's going to be really fun. It's very cool that they're doing this. Oh, yeah. So what was that crap we were reading a couple months ago? Was somebody saying that Star Trek is doomed to failure because it doesn't attract any new fans? Remember? It was, it was no, in, I've erased that. <laughs> it was in some discussion that people were having, you know, because there's no Trek series on, on the mm-hmm. air right now that, you know, it's not going to do anything. Right, like, and so all the secrecy they've got around the filming of Star Trek is just useless because nobody cares anyway. <laughs> nobody wants to know. Yeah, so that's why this is going to be such a failure. Five years, 40 cities. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, i got to say, uh, someone on the, the Shatner board posted a link to a home movie his parents had made for him. Uh-huh. Um, they were at the Monterey Aquarium mm-hmm. when Star Trek Four was filming. Cool. And so, you know, they were just in a crowd of people, and his dad was holding the camera and, and you know, taping Bill and Leonard and um, the, the woman who's... I always forget the actress's name, mm-hmm. but um, Jillian, you know, going by and doing those those scenes where she's mm-hmm. guiding them on the tour, and they did this several times, and so, and you can hear his parents talking, oh, look, there's Bill Shatner, and, and everything, and it was really cool, and it was so neat that he posted this, and what struck me is, okay, here's a bunch of people who are just there to see the aquarium, and they're like, oh, let's take home movies of William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy in their Spock and Kirk outfits. This is so cool. Look at us, you know, and everything. And these people aren't in the movie. They're just standing there filming. And now, you can't get within miles of where they're filming the new movie. So it just it struck me as an interesting contrast, but it, I also thought it was wonderful that apparently he, as a, a, a young kid, was not on this trip. Mm-hmm. And so his parents went, oh, He'll love this. Let's take these movies for him, which I think is really wonderful. Definitely, definitely. Um, I want to say one more thing, which was that um, Logan, my good friend Logan, sent me some really uh, fun pictures of Chris Pine mm-hmm. shirtless. Oh, okay. <laughs> Chris so, Pine is playing Kirk playing in the Kirk. new movie. And, you know, he's not William Shatner, but he's pretty hot. So Good. that's in his favor. Okay. So he has the hotness, I think. Well, see, this is the thing. So much of Bill's hotness does not necessarily come from physical, although, of course, that's a part of it. Mm-hmm. And and that's what worries me is I, you know, I keep looking at these pictures of, of actors nowadays who people say, oh, he's such a hottie. And to me, it's all the superficial. I mean, they've done all the body sculpting and everything, but is there a person in there? Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm worried about. Well, I, I can't answer that, but I will I say know he, you lo- can. he looks good without a shirt. Okay. So there you go. That's good. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Um, let's see. Did we have anything else we wanted to deal with right up front or shall well, we Well, yeah, I wanted to talk about this Bill Shills thing that I oh, just, yes, yes, just yes. found. So let's see if I can get yes, back to that. Um, this is a, a new thing coming up, but there are no dates associated with it as yet. But it's, um, something called liveautographs.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Bill is doing a thing for them. And it's... It's a personalized virtual meet and greet. (laughs) So what happens from what I have been able to see is you go to this website and you pick one of their artifacts that you want Bill to autograph. And they're charging you a fucking fortune because it includes the autograph. But then it looks like they tell you a time Mm -hmm. and a date when you get on the Internet. And you have to tell them, this is what I want, the question I want them to answer, or this is what I want them to write on the thing. And uh, and so you get there and live streaming, you'll see him going, 
well, hi, Kitty. Um, look at my butt and, you know, <laughs> sign in whatever. And then you're like, oh, it's, it's so wonderful. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of it. Um, so let's give an example of how much this stuff costs. Okay, an authentograph signing experience with Captain Kirk retro That's action That's the one figure. that I gave you for Christmas. Yes. That's the one. $219. Boston Legal Black Mug. $209. Um, let's see. The Okay. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. Here's something for 769 bucks. What the hell is it? It's a TOS laser pistol-built replica prop. $769. Yep. Now, the, the cheapest, it looks like, is um, this picture of him as Admiral Kirk, which I've never really cared for, is 195 bucks. That you can get... Um, the issue of Starlog that has him and Leonard on the cover, which I own, autographed for $249. Or you can buy it from me. No, I'm not selling it. Now, but here's the thing. He will personalize it. Mm-hmm. Like, write, happy birthday, Billy, or, or whatever. Or he'll answer a question of yours. Mm-hmm. These are not things that will happen when you get his autograph at a con. Right. You'll get it personalized if you go to Shatner Weekend. Mm-hmm. But... You know, so you are getting something, you know, more here. Oh, let's see what happens when I click the more button. Oh, it's a whole biography of William Shatner. We know all this stuff. Know it, know it, know it. Know it, know it. Know Know all that stuff. Okay, Okay. that's good. So, um, anyway, we'll we'll put up a link to that. There is no date, no schedule, but I guess you can sign up and send them your money now. Yes, we'll put up a link. And uh, this is kind of interesting. That's ugly. (laughs) The Captain Kirk bust. I don't no like Captain arms. Kirk with no arms. He's armless. <laughs> no. There's the Denny Crane bobblehead. He's the Shatner de Milo. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I just happened to, to run across that, and I'm sure Bill's part of it is going to his charity. Oh, of course. Um, speaking of things like that, um, yes. we have to talk about the fact that Bill answered one of your questions. <gasps> oh, oh, okay. Yes. Um, Blog readers will know this. Yes, they will They will know this. But uh, the newest issue of the... Uh, the William Shatner Fan Club newsletter. newsletter has come out. It's called The Best of Times. And they always have taken questions that members have asked, you know, posted to the board mm-hmm. and stuff. And some of the questions get answered on the board, and some of them go mm-hmm. to this. And so I had posted a question, and Bill answered it. So I'm just <laughs> going to read this. It was so exciting. My question was, my husband bought a kilt and swears it's the most comfortable thing ever. Have you ever worn a kilt? And Bill says, no, but then your husband's equipment and mine may be different. (laughs) Oh, Bill. Bill, 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 I, of course, read this to my husband, and he said, do you think he really answers those or has somebody do it for him? I said, oh, no, no, I'm sure that that answer, that's genuine Bill. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, wrote to the Shatner board, you know, to Jane and Sandy saying how much I love this and how my husband sort of scoffed at it. And Jane responded saying, you can be assured that, you know, these are real answers from Bill. You know, when we go to see him, we bring him these questions. And she said, and he's so quick-witted, he did not pause or think. (laughs) It's just, bam, he answers the question. I was like, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. such a great answer <clears throat> and yeah. he manages to work sex into it yeah well, he manages to work his own dick into it like, immediately <laughs> because he's bill he's bill it's such a bill answer and very exciting moment you posted that to the blog with a wonderful picture of him with his hand down his pants which yes. is just great and that was a picture that was originally sent to us by our, our buddy echo yes so um yeah 
That was Bill great. adjusting his equipment. <laughs> very oh, exciting. Very exciting. So now um, we know that Bill has not worn a kilt, or if he does, he never remembered wearing a kilt. <laughs> Maybe he'll wear one on Boston Legal. That would be fun. Yeah. He's worn a lot of other costumes on that show. That's true. That's true. He's worn a, a Lennon Sisters outfit. That's right. Yeah, so a kilt shouldn't, surely should not stop You'd him. You'd think he'd be into kilts. Easy access and all? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Bill. It's always something new and wonderful going on. In the world of Bill. Okay, let's take a little break. Um, we're going to come back. We've got a, a few more um, listener typey things to talk about, I think. And I think we're going to watch an episode I think at we some are. point, aren't I think we? Are. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five year mission to explore strange new worlds to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. People, pay attention and write it down this time. Comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. You've found the best podcasts in the universe. You can start this segment however you want to. Okay, I want to start with nut cards. Nut cards! Um, I don't even remember who sent this to me, or to us, or whatever. But anyway, it's um, posted here on Pop Watch Dictionary, nut guard. And uh, here's the origin of it. Uh, Nutcard is a noun. The credit on an actor's resume that is so beloved it stops fans from wanting to actually kick him where it hurts after sitting through his latest stinker. <laughs> Origin. After seeing Fred Claus, Mandy told her friend Karen that she wanted to kick Vince Vaughn in the nuts. Karen said, no, you can't. He's got a nutcard because of swingers. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, there were a number of comments, but I was thinking, that explains a lot of Bill. <laughs> Definitely. Like, you know, you see Kingdom of the Spiders, yeah. but it's like... But he was Captain Kirk, you know. He's, he's got the nut card from Captain Kirk. <laughs> and, I, you know, I think a lot of the Trek people have nut cards I, because of... Uh, I agree with you. ...of being uh, on Star Trek. I'm trying to see if there are other comments. Did anybody else mention Bill? I don't know. Let me see. Let me see if anybody has comments. Maybe it's under the reading I think more. Bill would like it that it's called a nut guard. Because I think that absolutely. would appeal to him. Which other actors have a nut guard? Oh, so this oh is from, here's the comment. So this is from Entertainment Weekly, apparently, right? Oh, that was, yeah, that was pop one. Yeah, yeah. That was okay, one. this person is saying Tim Curry. <laughs> I agree with that. Uh, Timothy Dalton. But Tim Curry redeemed himself because then he was in Spamalot. Yes, that's true. Um Leonard DiCaprio gets one for The Departed, otherwise he'd get kicked for every time Titanic gets on cable. This yes. is true. Um, okay, they list a bunch of female ones. Uh, let's see. I don't think all nut cards are created equal. <laughs> let's see. Brad Pitt, Edward Norton for Fight Club. Yeah, uh-huh. that was a, that Gene was Hackman a, and Robert Duvall have golden, golden nut, nut cards. cards. <laughs> yep, that's probably true. 
Stallone earned one with Rocky in First Blood, but it's starting to show cracks. Right. Somebody says Monty Python people have earned lifetime nut cards. Yeah, I think that's true. Ben Affleck for Goodwill Hunting. Uh, Steve Carell for The Office. Uh, Gary Oldman, yes, for Sid and Nancy. Yeah, yeah. Guy Pierce, Macaulay Culkin for uh-huh. Home Alone. This is true. Um, oh, I could just do a find to see if anybody mentioned Shatner. Uh, Shatner. Oh, oh, they don't. Well, maybe I might have to post you one. might have to say it. <laughs> I can't get the stupid little window to close. God. Oh, it's stuck. It's, it's not going to close. I am oh, so okay. trackpad impaired. Let's see. Well, will it at least let me uh, move it? I think you it? can move it, can't you? Oh, it's broken. We're going to have to come back and do this later, I think. There. Oh, your name. name. Jungle Kitty. Your email address. Look at, at his butt. At gmail. So if you go to popwatch.ew.com, and we'll link to this, you will see our comment. Shatner has the biggest <laughs> and best nuts and the biggest and you made best me cough. nut guard. It's pure neutronium for track. There, now they'll know I'm an idiot. There. That's great. It's brilliant. So you can go and see your comment. If it ever posts. If it ever posts, it's yeah. taking its sweet time posting. Sure well, there you go. There's some live blogging for you mm. happening, <laughs> even as we record this. Okay, it posted it. Yay. Yay. Let's scroll down. Let's scroll down. Let's see our own comment and bask in its glory. Oh, the glow. Wait. Well, Where'd it go? Maybe we have to reload. Oh, or maybe it goes up at the top? Oh, maybe so. Oh, yeah, because look how old these other ones are. Oh, good. Yours is right at the I top. At the oh, top. I love it. Okay, cool. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> Moving right along. So that was good. That was awesomely awesome. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, okay. So now we're going to turn to some email and some voicemail we got from our friend Jen, who sends us these very amusing voicemails. I and writes stories for us. It's true. Um, so she had some uh, email first. So I'm going to read the email, and then we'll play the voicemail so everybody can hear it. Okie doke. Um, she said, I am not 100% sure if you know this, but I figured I'd tell you anyway. I keep seeing Bill Schill for World of Warcraft on TV. In the commercial, he says he is a blank-level shaman, which I find funny because I have to ask, Bill, when did you have time to, when did you have time to suck into a game to get such a character? <laughs> of course, the answer is no. You don't have any time. Of course, it wouldn't be any fun to leave it simply at that answer. So I came up with a special Bill way to play a game. Pay someone else to do it. <laughs> He did it with his books. Why not with the game? He looks good, and he put little effort into it. Perfect. Well, that's one more thing Bill has conquered. <laughs> I think that's Excellent. true. I think that's Excellent. Excellent. That is, is really good. Okay. So now I'm going to play her voicemail, and we'll see. Oh, that was the whole email? That was the email. Oh, okay. And then there's voicemail to go with it. So here we go. I'm okay going to just put the computer up by the mic here so we can hear it. Hey, it's Jen from Buffalo. I uh, finally got a chance to listen to your episode, and as you can tell, I can't shut up. (laughs) Not very surprising by now, you know? Okay, the first thing that came to my mind to talk about is, like, the idea of, because it's Star Trek, you must consume it. When, when actually, when I was younger, 
I used to joke that Star Trek was almost like a religion, since I grew up with it and everything, and I wasn't religious, so it placed religion, and, yeah, but when I was feeling more like that, it really was like, if you love Star Trek, then everything about Star Trek must be wonderful. It is like a religion. It's scary, but it is. And it's horrifying to think that for five seconds that it would not stop, think this is a franchise. This is a show. Stop acting like it's a fucking religion. Um, I didn't like Enterprise. Surprising, surprise, surprise, surprise. And I could go on about T'Pol because she's a shining star of shit. <laughs> and the irony is, is that I, well, no, no, you know what, no. I think she can't act. Yes. I have seen her in other shows, and I am convinced she can't act. Oh, good to know. She has the same tone for T'Pol as whatever that uh, Jafar chick was. Except for, it was actually better when she was a Jafar chick. But, beyond T'Pol, because I can go on and on and on and on about her, the series overall was very uninspired. I never really felt it was a Star Trek. And that's stretch, considering there were other series that kind of felt like Star Trek, at least like DS9, Voyager. They weren't great. I wouldn't say that I loved them, but they sort of felt like Star Trek, even if the plot lines were a little tired from time to time. I can't say that with Enterprise. <coughs> it's like all the writers went to lunch and <laughs> forgot about it. Um, when you guys were talking about the lizard babies, what was that? Was that the one with the Zindi? Because those weren't actually lizards. Oh, God. Oh, God, I know too much about Enterprise. Why in the fuck did I watch that entire series? Ugh. I have to say, the last season was the best, although that was still bad. Although, Archer totally falling in love with the alien lizard, actually, I say, insect, insect babies, was highly amusing. Um, there is much very good glowing to say about Enterprise. And I sincerely hope that the next incarnation of Star Trek is not like Enterprise, but in a TOS era. I won't consume that. I will walk out of that fucking movie. And I don't really like to walk out of movies. But my idea is, like, if you're paying for the ticket, it better be good. I mean, come on. I've sat through things before where I, I wanted to walk out, um, like the Bat Boy, the musical. <laughs> I was, in the first part, I, it was like, oh my god, this sucks. The songs are great, the story sucks, the acting sucks. I want out. Actually, my boyfriend and my requirement to write about it, I would have left. <sighs> At least the second act got better. Um, as far as favorite, uh, uniforms, I guess, 
I would probably like maybe Next Generation one's the best. It, right after that would be the movie, the 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 original series movie outfits, not those horrible ones in in the motion picture. Oh God, no, not those things. Um, I I guess there's a difference between them. I was not really that good at picking them out. I just thought it made the actors look nice. It didn't look comfortable. Not in the slightest. I. It's kind of hard to believe as a real person in this world that they would choose something so heavy and wooly and scratchy and has a weird flat thingy, but it looked good. And that's all that kind of mattered. And I kind of admit it. The guys looked hot in it. He, come on, they looked hot. Even though they were all covered up. Did White give you a, a, an image of a ripped shirt, sorta? That's true. Mm-hmm. Alright, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye! <laughs> Well, you know, I never thought of that, but that flap and the, the mm-hmm. wrap of con thing is kind of evocative of the uh, rip shirt. It is. That's, it absolutely is. That's nice. Well, thank you for that voicemail, as always. Yes. As always. Well, and I also like the comparison of Star Trek to being a religion and that it's an all or none Definitely. thing for some people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's true. That's yeah. absolutely true. That's great. Um, so... I wanted, there were a couple other blog comments that we wanted to talk about. The Christmas one. Oh, right, right. Okay, let me you have find that it. Open. Let me find it. As, you, as faithful listeners will remember. Yes. We, way back when we had asked about um, a, a Star Trek Christmas episode, so we got a reply. Yes. This is from DJ, but it, it's spelled in an interesting way. But anyway, we were saying, you know, what was the Christmas episode like? And this person says, I think they did one, sort of, or as close as they could get without mentioning religion. Was it Charlie X? I can't remember for sure, but in one episode, there was mention made that all the Christmas meatloaf <laughs> in the galley ovens had turned into turkeys. And that was a mention of Thanksgiving. I have to throw that yep, in. Yep, but, yep, yep. You know, points for trying. Anyway, <clears throat> the concept begs the question of all kinds of images most folks would probably say they didn't need. <laughs> Witness the company Christmas party. McCoy wearing a Santa hat and a mint julep sitting with his arm around the neck of a large stuffed reindeer and smiling at the world going by his corner. Jim wearing, well, probably his yeoman. (laughs) Or maybe somebody else's. (laughs) Come sit in my lap, little girl, and we'll talk about what comes up. (laughs) Spock, of course, would be cast as the elf. Wouldn't he make the most interesting toy? No. Make boring toys. <coughs> They'd be logical toys. Logical toys. How Learning toys. That? Oh, that, that means they're not please. toys. But um, yeah, I do like the image. The images of uh, McCoy and uh, Jim wearing his yeoman. <laughs> that would be very funny. <sighs> well, thanks for that reply. Yes, that was good. yes. <clears throat> so, um, do you want to go on to the question? That we were going, our deep philosophical question for this week. Okay, what was our deep philosophical? Well, this was from Jamie Jeans, who also asked us deep philosophical <coughs> questions. Oh, before. okay. And this was in reference to our discussion about the starship captains and how we felt like, <clears throat> even though Kate Mulgrew was a female captain, um, she was totally cold, and I don't mean frigid in the like classical sense, but she had no sexuality around her at all. Uh-huh. Just not there. So he says. 
As a writer, this makes me wonder how I can add sexuality to characters without taking anything away from them. Uh, I'm just wondering how adding sexuality can be done without shoehorning in or compromising the character's advice. Uh, sorry, the character itself. How can you do that? Especially with female characters. Well, here's the <clears throat> thing. I mean, let's get back to the heart of the question. Mm-hmm. Does um, the existence of sexuality on any level as a character or a person, does that diminish you as a person or a character? I don't think so. I don't either. Well, I, I think part of the problem is that <clears throat> in our society, male sexuality is viewed as good and female sexuality is bad. Mm-hmm. So males who have lots of sex are studs and women who have lots of sex are whores. Right. <laughs> but uh, I guess there are other choices. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be a sexual woman who doesn't have a bazillion partners, mm-hmm. maybe a few partners, maybe just one. Maybe mm-hmm. you're in a monogamous relationship. But you can mm-hmm. still be a sexual oh. being. And, you know, that can be presented. So I think if you're trying to present it in fiction, mm-hmm. you have to look at real life. And mm-hmm. sex and sexuality is a part of real life. Mm-hmm. That, you know, people... And the sexuality doesn't always have to be an overt sex act. I mean, just, you know, casually, maybe open a scene that has something to do with something else entirely, but they're waiting for the person to show up, so they're sort of cruising the people around them mm-hmm. and, and, and deciding, you know, oh, who who looks like, you know, they'd be good or, or mm-hmm. interesting or something like that. Or have someone else flirt with them, mm-hmm. showing another character responding to them sexually. Mm-hmm. And again, it doesn't have to be porn. It doesn't have to be, mm-hmm. you know, heavily detailed or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That's a way of introducing sexuality. Oh, I think so. so. And having them not, like, shut it down, like, you know, slamming the vault, which mm-hmm. I kind of think is what has to happen with female characters on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're either the Madonna or the whore. Right. And so if somebody comes on to you, you have to, <clears throat> no! You know, or, you know, in some way just make it completely impossible. Yeah. Well, I think part of the problem um, with popular culture is that since most female characters are written by men, they think that there are only two ways <clears throat> excuse me, to show a woman's sexuality. And one is by having her sleep with lots of men, and the other is by having her dress like a stripper. Yes. And that's it. Like, they don't see... They, they're mm-hmm. just not clever enough, I think, or they're just lazy, and they don't think about other ways that a woman can show... can be sexual or show sexuality that don't do either of those two things. And what you're describing is absolutely one of those ways. But female characters just aren't ever really given the chance to do that. Mm -hmm. When the easy way out is by, you know, having them just dressed in like a G-string. That's the easy way out. You know, why bother to go through all that work of developing a character when you can just say, look, she's dressed like a pole dancer, therefore Mm -hmm. she expresses, she's empowered by her sexuality, which is crap. Well, and just think, too, about how you develop... Um, any other aspect of a character, um, their relationship with the parents or something, mm-hmm. it's it's not a single a flat thing, and it's mm-hmm. not that way in real life, and certainly should not be that way in fiction. So there's got to be a lot of, of nuance to sexuality, just as there is to every other aspect of the character. And mm-hmm. too often what is forgotten is, okay, now I'm writing the sex scene, and you shut down who that character is the mm-hmm. rest of the time. If that character is a bold, dynamic person, they're probably going to be that way in bed. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, a good deal of the time, obviously, there's other sides to it. If if they're a playful, teasing person, 
there's going to be that in their romantic and sexual relationships. And that is what is missing from so much of the written sex that I see is any layer of humor, mm-hmm. any playfulness to it mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. I agree. I totally agree. Um, I, I think some of the best ways that women can be shown to be sexual or have a, a good positive sexuality about them is some really basic stuff again that female characters aren't often shown to have like just being comfortable with themselves and their bodies in a very non like provocative way Mm -hmm. just being comfortable with the way they look and who they are and not feeling like they need to impress anybody that's around them they are who they are and Mm -hmm. they're totally fine with that however they look and that's that's a, a, a thing that radiates this aura of confidence and positiveness that creates you know, this attraction, attraction makes people want to be around you, whether it's sexual or not Mm -hmm. confidence, you know, being positive, like we were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. in that flirting thing, um, you know, that attracts people Mm -hmm. and that's certainly part of sexuality and it's part of interaction. And I think that's the other thing that's sort of missing from the, the, the whole thing is that sex is so divorced from everything else Mm -hmm. that the idea that it's an interaction beyond the physical, it, it, it's just like, yeah, it's not there. Yeah. Um, as an example, um, I, I would take as a contrast, cause we were talking about this before <clears throat> in the previous show, two female characters on TOS and, and who I consider sexy and not sexy, who have a good sexuality. One of them would be nurse chapel <laughs> and the other would be Uhura. Mm-hmm. Okay. A study in contrast <laughs> yes. in many ways besides the obvious ones. Chapel to me as a character never felt, sexy because she seemed incompetent at her job really i mean she was always shown kind of futzing around Mm -hmm. and and being very timid she never seemed like she had any self-confidence whatsoever she was hopelessly pining after someone she could never have whether it was corby or spock didn't matter she was just you know her, her whole persona was built around other people she never seemed to have much interest in herself or what she was doing well, and the whole thing is, she was kind of pitiful and pathetic. You know, people talk about the pity fuck. But think about who you've been attracted to. Have you ever decided, you know, I'm going to go to bed with this guy because I feel sorry for him. <laughs> I mean, no, you know, no. because, you know, he's just so whiny and incompetent and doesn't know what he's doing. God, I really want to fuck him. You know, it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And we're never shown her any interest that she has outside of anything i mean she Mm -hmm. never had a personality that went outside of being the one who's pining after spock or the one who's helping mccoy do whatever or falling down or hitting Mm -hmm. her head i mean we just never saw anything and there were plenty of opportunities for them to build that in and they never did whereas with ahura who was there who was beautiful, but not in a conventional way. I mean, Mm-mm. you know, she doesn't she doesn't look like a, a blonde white woman. <laughs> <laughs> no, she does. You know, she doesn't look like that at all. Very quietly confident in what she was doing. You know, always seemed extremely self assured. No matter what they had her do, mm-hmm. no matter whether she was sitting at the helm or filling in for other people in high stretch situations, she never lost it. She was just totally cool with whatever was going on and when we did get to see her when she wasn't being you know the communications officer she was funny and bright and had a personality even in some of the scenes where um she was sitting at the table when when they did the con thing Mm -hmm. right 
when you see her in the background, she's chatting with other people. She's yep. being friendly. And, uh, you know, she's alive. She's alive. She's well, really there. And we also see her flirting. There are a couple occasions yeah. where she flirts with Spock. There's that one episode where he's in the, the captain's chair and she comes yeah. down and says, Mr. Spock, why don't you ever tell me I'm a beautiful young woman with lovely eyes or what a moonlit night is yeah, like yeah. on your planet? I mean, she's flirting with him. And that whole teasing thing she does in Charlie X where she's yeah. singing the song. Yeah. And you're not going, oh my God, that that whore, you yeah. know, it's it's just a very positive, and as you're saying, a, a woman who's comfortable with herself, comfortable with her own attractiveness, yeah. to kind of flirt with him, but not go after him in this, oh, Mrs. Spike, I've just been longing for you, you know, all this stuff. Nobody is attracted to that. No, absolutely not. So I, I would take that example. And in contrast, you know, Janeway, until the very end of Voyager, was never shown that way. I mean, Mm -mm. she was so tightly buttoned up. You never really knew what was going on in her life. She never expressed any kind of emotion about it. You never got the feeling she was very comfortable with herself because she always seemed so tightly wound. Mm -hmm. Like if she relaxed even a little bit, she would explode into a million pieces. That's not sexy. That's not something that people are attracted to or feel comfortable with. The few times when, uh, from my viewing of it, when she actually like got some personality were those scenes where, you know, she was in the holodeck with Leonardo da Vinci. And then, you know, at least then she kind of opened up and you got to see mm-hmm. what she could be like, but it happened so late in the series. You just felt like it was not real character development that mm-hmm. the writers just kind of took a different course and it wasn't right. really part of her. I'm thinking about, okay. So one of my favorite characters on DS nine was, um, uh, What's her name? Oh, God, I'm so bad. I can't even remember this. Terry Farrell, who played the... Oh, the, uh, Dax. Dax, thank you. God. And I didn't even watch her show. <laughs> thank you very much for that. <laughs> I thought that she was a good female character who had a really nice, good sexuality about her. And again, it was because um, she felt very comfortable, and she wasn't afraid to flirt with people um, in a very, you know, kind of chummy way. Mm-hmm. And she was funny, and she she was smart, and, and just... You know, you got the feeling like, oh, this is a person I'd really right. like to know. Well, and the thing is, if you are going to to write or present a, a character in a sexual relationship, so we're getting past the flirting mm-hmm. now, they have to continue to be the person they yes, are. Yes. And I'm thinking of um, Starbuck in the current uh, Battlestar Galactica series. And she is... Um, is sort of a balls to the wall sort of woman. I mean, she's she's right out there. She is really good at what she does. She knows it, and she'll knock you over, you know, to get you out of her way because she has to go after what she wants. And she's aggressive, but she's also funny and fun loving mm-hmm. and competitive. Mm-hmm. And so when we see her go after a guy, become attracted to a guy, she's still that woman. Mm-hmm. She's not suddenly, you know, all yeah. shy and oh. You think I'm pretty? You know, none of that. You know, she, she's um, she's just very upfront. And so she's still the same person. And that's what makes her sexuality believable. Mm-hmm. Is because it's still that person. And it isn't like, whoa, 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 what, what happened? Who the hell was that? Mm-hmm. And uh, Kirk, I mean, who's more sexual? It, many people have said he flirts with everything. Mm-hmm. Men, women, dogs. Computers. Computers, <laughs> tribbles, everything. But it's true. And so when he starts seducing a woman, he's doing it in a way that is still Kirk, mm-hmm. that is still this very direct, very warm, 
um, you know, there's always a little bit of twinkle or, or fun, you know, in his in his eye or his mm-hmm. smile or or whatever. So he's still him. It isn't like, oh. I've been playing, you know, sort of the Jeffrey Hunter captain, and, oh, now I have to be charming and romantic. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's a smooth thing. It's a total entity. And that's, you know, how we are. I mean, that's how, how people are. They don't become these, or most people, you know, it's someone totally different mm-hmm. because of who they're talking to or what they're doing or what their their goal is. Yep. So I would say um, when you're writing a character – if you're writing a female character, I don't think you have to write sexuality into them. I think you write them as they are, and the sexuality comes out of their personality. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to put them in stripper clothes, and you don't have to have them sleeping with a thousand different people just to prove that, or to have them, you know, whatever, read porn or talk with a filthy mouth. You don't have to do overt, make them do overt sexual mm-hmm. things in order them for them to have a sexuality about them. And I really think that's where most writers just go off the rails where they mm-hmm. think, oh, well, I have to show that this is a sexy woman. I know. I'll, I'll make her watch porn all the time. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Because that's the obvious thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll have her showing her tits all the time. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's not how it works. Not in real life anyway. No. No. And, well, you know, just think of yourself then, you know, as a guy. I mean, you probably, guys probably consider themselves sexual beings, you mm-hmm. know, most of them. So, uh, I don't know. Do you, do you wear a little a tiny sexy gold lame jock strap or something so that... It, in public. In public, <laughs> so everybody knows you're a sexy guy? <laughs> or you've got sexuality? You know, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it's that hard to write good female characters with a healthy interest in sexuality who aren't whores. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think it's that hard. Some writers seem to think that that's impossible. Yeah. They really do. Um, I, this probably isn't a reference you would get, but um, Frank Miller, the guy who writes a lot of comic books, he doesn't see that at all. <laughs> women, any kind of sexuality around women, they're whores. <laughs> that's it. Okay. <laughs> just So if you ever, I'm, I'm sure there's some people out there who read comic books and they'll know exactly what I'm talking okay. about. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's really sucky. But I, it, it's... It's something that we as a as a culture need to get over is that sexuality is divorced from everything else. Mm-hmm. And why should you, if you're not having any trouble writing characters in all their other situations and suddenly having them feel a sexual impulse or respond to someone feeling a sexual impulse towards them becomes impossible to write about, that, you know, kind of shows that's where the mindset is. And mm-hmm. maybe it's not necessarily your fault as a writer, but it's it's part of the whole being. Yeah. And especially I'm now thinking about the way you write adult characters, you know, that thing that you were saying before about, um, you know, a woman suddenly changing her personality because now she's flirting with someone. That's what happens when you're, you're 15 and 16. Exactly. But you know what? Everybody gets over that. Well, most people get over that. And, and you shouldn't have adult characters who are in their twenties and thirties acting like 16 year olds. And that's what Chapel acted like. Yes. 15 year old girls think being weepy and needy is what attracts guys. Right. Or they, they, when they get close to the guy that they're crushing on, they have a total Ooh. personality. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and yeah, that's what happens when you're a teenager mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure all this stuff out. But you get over that. Yeah, There's hopefully. N- no excuse for adults acting like that. Yeah. That's just stupid. <laughs> Kirk would never do that. No. <laughs> so that's our deep philosophical. <laughs> philosophical. Philosophical. I like that word. Philosophical <laughs> section for this evening. 
That is great. Okay, well, I'm sure you're all um, now enlightened. So, <laughs> <laughs> And feeling sexy and whorish and wanting gold lame um, really. jockstraps. So to close out this section, I want to show you something really funny. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I've mentioned before um, that there's a company called IDW, and they've been publishing this comic book that's called Star Trek Year 4. Okay. And they've been publishing individual issues. The trade paperback comes out at the end of March, and I'm going to buy it because I heard that it was really good. Um, someone scanned in a couple pages from the most recent one, and it's so funny. It's just great. So what it says is, there are. Some, I'm going to put the link in the picture. Okay. There are some things, some actions that are, can be portrayed better in comics than on screen, and vice versa. Some types of things are better captured on TV or film, but there is one thing that is absolutely common to both forms of media. There is acting, <laughs> and then here comes the image. Let me show it to you. And there is Shatner acting. <laughs> obviously on an away mission and in the first one Kirk is drawn doing that thing that he does where he's got his mouth open and his head's kind of thrown back and his eyes are all scrunched up and he's Mm -hmm. screaming and his hands are kind of in kung fu pose and then in the next one he's grimacing and he's falling over because he's in such pain yep I just thought that was so funny (laughs) yep there's Shatner (laughs) acting yep I just love that Look at the pose the woman has fallen down in. Like she's resting comfortably on the ground. Well, look at her legs. It's badly drawn. Legs don't go like that. It's badly drawn. Yeah. But anyway, look at that arm that Kirk has there. Yeah. Why does it say atta-tata-tata-da-effa-effa? I think that's that's the sound that's making them all clutch their heads and scream like that. I was going to say, in many ways, it's uh, (laughs) reminiscent of... uh, the scene where they're all choking. Yes, it is. <laughs> There's a little comment underneath that says, This great scene, this great scene, comes from IDW Star Trek Year 4, issue number 6. Can your logic answer that, Spock? At least his tunic isn't ripped open this time. Oh, well, darn. <laughs> so I'll be buying that. In fact, I pre-ordered it today. Um, <laughs> when it comes out, and I will be reviewing it on this here show. Okay. Good. But anyway, I just thought that was so funny. That is really good. Okay. Uh, let's take a break, and then I think we're going to talk about... <gasps> Cue the music. Devil in the Dark, the remastered first season episode. And, um, let's see, there weren't that many remastered things in it, actually. Well, a couple of the, sh- ship shots. The, the ship shots and the first view of the, um, I don't know what you want to call the, it. It's not ex- the facility. Yeah, the mining facility. The mining facility down among the rocks. Mm-hmm. That looked pretty cool. Yeah. The best thing that I thought was when, um, 
that you first see the horde coming through a wall. That was new. Yes, that, that was and cool. that was very cool. Yeah, that looked really good. But the horde is still exactly the same. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They, I don't think they could really tart that up mm-hmm. at all. So <laughs> tarted up horde up. That's pretty scary. The lipstick on it. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know what the plot of this is, it's very simple. There's a mining colony. Miners are getting killed. Kirk and company show up, and they find out that the miners are being killed by this creature called a horda. And the reason the horde is killing them is that the miners have been destroying its eggs. And um, then Kirk makes Spock do the mind meld and talk to it, and then everything's okay. He also makes uh, McCoy heal it with um, a mud plaster from the uh, (laughs) deep sea or something. Because I swear, it looked exactly like this gunk I've put on my face. So... um, I wanted to just say one thing. As the episode, we were we were both going, oh, that was a good episode, that was a good episode. I would say this is this is a very, I don't want to say average Trek episode, but but for, for TOS, it, it's a really decent episode. Mm-hmm. It's not one of the best ones. No. It's not one of the bad ones. It's like right in there. It's very mm-hmm. solid. Yes. And a solid TOS episode is so much better than almost any other television that exists. <laughs> I mean, honestly... An episode like this, it's really tightly scripted. The acting is pretty good for the most part. It's got an interesting little twist to it that you probably didn't see coming unless mm-hmm. you've seen it 10,000 times like we have. Some cool special effects and all that. You know, it's like 50 minutes of really good entertainment, and it's so much better than most television shows that I've seen. Mm-hmm. I just have to say that. Even really other good science fiction shows, this is just so, so good. I don't understand why more TV can't be this good. Well, part of what you were saying is it's tightly scripted, mm-hmm. and we've seen that in in the weak TOS scripts, you know, they get redundant, oh, they the blah, 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 yeah. you know, there's long shots of, of nothing, but this, you know, the, the story just keeps moving forward. Mm-hmm. And it's got suspense, and it's mm-hmm. got good stuff in it, and like I said, it has this twist, and it has some nice acting by Leonard Nimoy, and I don't know, it's just like a really good, decent episode, and it just... You know, even TNG didn't have, in my opinion, that many episodes that were just really good, solid episodes. I felt like it had um, a good percentage of really good episodes, but then the ones, it didn't have a lot of average episodes. The ones that weren't really good tended to be really boring or just stupid. There weren't any that kind of hit that spot right in the Mm -hmm. middle, and I felt like TOS actually had a lot of those. Yeah. Especially, you know, first two seasons. Yes. Yeah. Anyhow, so um, some some wonderful highlights is um, Kirk is is showing quite a bit, <laughs> and we notice at one point he kneels down mm-hmm. and notice he kneels Dick first uh-huh. because you could totally see it as he's as he's going <laughs> down. It was like, wow, that is so cool, good uh-huh. good camera angle, yeah. and he gets dirty, you know, mm-hmm. from being down there in and the he tunnels. Looks, he looks really <sighs> sexy with dirt on his face. Oh man! Now his hair. Um, kind of, it, it, most of the time looked really good, but there were a couple of scenes where I think the, the hair person went a little overboard because it started to approach sort of an Elvis Pompadour style. Yes. And, and speaking of Elvis Pompadour style, Elvis Kirk, that guy, uh-huh. he's got a small part in the new movie. No way. Yes! I just read this. Oh my God. As who? Elvis? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> As the, the ship's, Kirk, um, Elvis impersonator. <laughs> The ship's lounge act. The ship's lounge act. Okay, I would accept that, actually. <laughs> if I saw him, I'd go, that was good casting. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe you just told me that. Oh. Well, he said Papadour. I know, you know, I know, I know. And uh, 
I was saving it up for you, I have to tell you the truth. But um, there's a lovely butt shots. Mm-hmm. And nice butt cleavage, for sure. Oh, yeah. He looks very good. Yes. And he's very captainly in this episode. Oh, he is. Shouting he is. orders around, getting people to do things. Yeah. Now, the one thing we, we really <laughs> felt was needed was when they, you know, discovered that you know, the Horda's a, a, a mother and everything, and, and it's a female Horda, was they should have played the the female music, the dee, 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 you know. The Ruth music. The Ruth music. They yeah. should have, they yeah. missed They missed that. But actually, when uh, Kirk went into the, the chamber where there were the thousands and thousands of eggs, they had really neat music. It was a, a really neat variation mm-hmm. on the, the Trek theme that I don't believe was ever used hmm. anywhere else. I don't know. I would have to... I mean, we'd have to watch more episodes to see if we saw it, but yeah. I, I thought it, the, the whole atmosphere of this was pretty well done, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the only scene on the ship was right at the end, when they went back up to the bridge. Yes. It was entirely on the planet, except for that. That's right. We didn't even see them, you know, getting communications from them or everything. It was nope. totally off the ship. Yep. Um, we also noticed that the miners are, are even more colorful in their garb <laughs> than the Enterprise crew, and there's one guy dressed all in purple who we decided was the miner named Tinky Wink. Mm-hmm. And uh, he hits Giotto <laughs> with a club. He, it's like in a gangster movie. Look over there. And the guy turns <laughs> and bam, right on the head. Oh. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. And uh, what <laughs> Giotto, when he talks to her, the miners are, are, are getting ugly. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> quite, quite. So I liked what you had said, you know, when the Horda is talking about the egg chamber, it's calling it the chamber of the ages or the vault of tomorrow. And you were saying, why don't we have names like that? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, our civilization is is sadly lacking in that sort of um, pretension, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, mostly, you know, if people show up and are acting weird, we, you know... Send them to the administrative office or something. Not, you know, go to the chamber of tomorrow and, yeah. and you know, eat the icicle of doom. And <laughs> We could probably use a little more of that, I think. We probably could. I think so. I mean, think about it. They had, you know, Mount Doom in, uh, <laughs> you know, Lord of the Rings. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a science fiction fantasy thing is, is uh, that they're just called these things like the chamber of the ancients. <laughs> I, like I mean, that. Vulcan has crap like that. I was like just going to say that. Vulcan definitely has that. They just don't have that stuff in Iowa, you know? Yeah. Do you think they have it in San Francisco? Probably parts of it, yeah. Palace of the Fine Arts. <laughs> That's not the same. It's called a palace, and okay, it's not a palace. Okay, okay, okay. It's an auditorium. <laughs> okay, but do we have anything called the something of infinity? <laughs> not that I know of. Yeah. There's Infinity Loop. Yeah, infinite, which is yeah. infinite, infinite loop. loop sorry. sorry, yeah, that's true. You know, but it, I don't know. Do even our churches have anything like that? Uh, well, Catholic churches have fucked up names. Okay, know? like what? Well, you know, Our Lady of Perpetual Sorrows and things like that. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I bet Mormons have names for stuff mm-hmm. that are really over over the top and pretentious sounding like dick first (laughs) (laughs) 
Honestly, I think the Mormons do have something that's called, like, the Chamber of Secrets or something. Like, no, that's like the, the Nicholas no, Cage No, 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 I'm serious. I'm totally serious. I think there is something that's called I don't know. That. Library of Congress. Not <laughs> as cool as that's Chamber true. of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets is Harry Potter. <laughs> well, I heard, I don't know. <laughs> it's something. I'll have to okay, look it up. Okay, if you guys can, can come up with, you know, real impressive, real prestigious, fruity fantasy, you know, sort of things that are real... We want to know about okay. it. I wanted to mention, back when we watched Man Trap and we were talking about it, okay. way back when. That was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. And um, Kirk makes this split-second decision that they're going to kill the Saul vampire. Mm-hmm. And when we were watching it, I said, that seems a little out of character for Kirk. Because I remembered in some other episode, they go through this whole discussion <coughs> about some creature being the last of its kind. And this was the episode. Yes, okay, yes. so this was it. So in this episode... Um, Spock is the one who's advocating not killing the creature. And Kirk sympathizes with him and agrees to him to a certain extent, but says, you know, he can't risk it because it's already killed 50 people, which is a lot of people, 50 yeah. people, and it's it's likely to kill more. Um, but then, when it comes down to it and the monster doesn't immediately attack him, he totally relents and changes his mind on that. And I felt like that was much more in the character of Kirk than in the man trap where it was just like, mm-hmm. we have to kill it no matter what. But again, it's, it's one of those things where it turns out his decision is always right. You know, the, the Horda is basically a benign creature, uh-huh. a mother, and um, the salt vampire is just a vampire. I guess, but you know, it would, it didn't want to die. Yeah. yeah well, so anyway, yes. I, you know, at least this one, they blew out that discussion a little bit more and it wasn't yes, just, a, yes. we're just going to go ahead and kill it. So, so shall we um, talk about the, the evolutionary conundrum? <laughs> Yeah, so um, it's like survival of the the least likely to survive is the uh, foundation of this planet. So they say the hordas all die out every fifty thousand years, except for the one, and it it has to take care of all the eggs that are there, and then it acts as a mother when the little hordas are born. And evolutionarily speaking, that's a bad survival strategy. That, really bad. Really bad. You never want to get down to one. Yeah. With a bunch of eggs that are going to hatch, and if there isn't a big one to take care of them, do they all die? I guess. I don't know. And then they're saying it, and they they, um, they tunnel, and that's how they get their nourishment. There would be no planet <laughs> left. So I was trying to rationalize that by saying maybe it was a really big planet, but I don't know. Like don't, how big? I don't know. Like the size of like Jupiter? one to the thousandth power? <laughs> So yeah, that that seemed a little um, a little odd. Who knows? Maybe they maybe they just don't need to eat that much. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe somebody has an answer for us. If there's somebody okay. out there who's thought about this, now I also had a question for you, which maybe somebody else can answer. I remember reading a story, or at least some stories, where there was a horda in Starfleet, <laughs> and I can't remember whether that was a piece of fan fiction or it was actually in a book. So I have run across it too, and I'm kind of I'm kind of leaning towards. I'm pretty sure it does appear in fanfic, but I'm thinking it's in a profic too. I kind of think it is because I think there's something about somebody having to room with a horda or something, and it's like, (sighs) how does that even work? I don't know. I don't know. So if anybody knows, could you let me know? Because I just want to know now, and there's no way I'm going back through all my Trek books just to find that out. No, no. Yeah. I could probably Google it. I could probably type in Horta in Starfleet and see what it turns. Let me do that <laughs> do right that. now. Horta Please in do that. Starfleet. All right. Let's see. Maybe we'll get an application. <laughs> Horta in Starfleet. Oh, it would help if I could spell Starfleet. 
<clears throat> Here we go. Come on, come on, come on. Ugh. The Horda is, a, I'm reading this from Star Trek Hidden Frontier Encyclopedia. I don't know what that means. Um, yeah. So what After say? Okay. After decades of cooperation on Janus 6, the Horda successfully petitioned to join the Federation, and some number of Horda joined Starfleet, most specializing in xenogeology. Their physiology is well-suited to exploration of planets hostile to human life forms. Since they cannot communicate verbally, Horda depend on telepathic translators to interact with other beings. Starfleet Academy trains tele- telepaths in interpreting for nonverbal sentient species. So this looks like, there's a little illustration here. Mm-hmm. It looks like this is from a game. Lieutenant Pergium, a Horda member Cute. of Starfleet, awaits transport from a runabout. So, I don't really know what there there's no references cited here mm-hmm. see if I can find something a little bit better um there's a whole bunch of things that come up let's see a Hortus- here's the Starfleet medical manual yeah um oh boy I don't know I, I might have to that's that's a story I'm not finding anything right away mm. So uh, maybe someone can help us figure this out, because now I really kind of want to (laughs) know. Silly as it is. Well, yeah. You know, it's just one of those things. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. If MacGyvers can be in Starfleet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Why can't a The episode Dancing in the Dark? What episode? Okay. So I'm reading again. This is from the Hidden Frontier Encyclopedia. Lieutenant um, Pergium escapes from the Baku Tetrahedon from the episode Dancing in the Dark. Isn't what hidden, episode is that? Okay, wait, wait. Isn't Hidden Frontier one of those fan series? I don't know. I think it is. Mm, okay, maybe it is. Oh, man. Look at this fucking summary. It takes uh. up two pages. It must be. Susie Kaplan's departure. She she played... um. Worf's wife, Alexander's mother, didn't she? I don't know. I think she did. Yeah, this must be fanfic stuff. I mean, fan episodes. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see right. any real names in there. Like it, it's production. Picard. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It is a fan-generated thing. Okay. Okay. All right. So anyway, so we know. So we know Hordas are in fan stuff. But I want to know whether it's really part of so-called canon. Like, well, I, I don't accept any of the books as canon. But I'm wondering whether it was even mentioned in, you know, TNG or, mm-hmm. or one of the other future things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, we, we never saw one shuffling down the corridor. Never did. Never did. In fact, did we ever see a non-humanoid... Not in TOS, in the animated series we did. Yeah. There were several. Right, but in the the live-action ones. Mm-mm. Not even in the movies. Yeah. Nope. I'm thinking now. Mm-hmm. This is bad radio, but... Um, <laughs> listen to me think. Think, 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 think. No, I don't think we ever did. I don't think so either. But I'm pretty sure that 
non-human non-humanoids have been in Profic. And here would be the danger about having a Horda aboard the ship. If you ever ran out of Horda food, it would eat the ship. That's true. It would. That would be bad. <laughs> and you know what? I bet those dilithium crystals are the tastiest things on there. Oh, man. <laughs> those are like Pringles. <laughs> spider in it. Do you not remember that? Was that the, the story Bill pitched? That had the <laughs> space spider? No. Oh, darn. Okay, what's the crystal spider? That Somebody, sounds vaguely familiar. Oh, God, now I can't remember. I can't remember if it was Profic or Fanfic, and I'm pretty sure it was Profic. Somebody created a character that was a crystal spider. Uh-huh. No, it's got to be Fanfic, okay. And what did it do? It, it was a Starfleet officer, and it was telepathic, which was why I'm associating it with the Horda, because like, they were able to talk to each uh-huh. other telepathically. And it served on the ship, and it was, it was a female, and it was sort of this um, very ancient creature that had this store of wisdom in it, and blah, 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 blah. Anyway. I don't remember that Okay, one. so it was in some profi- some fanfic thing that I read. Okay, that. well, speaking of fanfic, we will recommend, <laughs> and we've recommended them before, Ventura's Horda Stories. Oh, yes. Are too, too, too funny. Um, she has a whole series of uh, stories where, where Kirk is romantically pursued by the Horda. <laughs> and they just, they just build, like, you know, a snowball, just getting bigger and bigger. Uh-huh. And, and there is one... Where I believe it's called um, Hortus and Tribbles, and I forget what the third thing is. Oh my, you know. So I mean, every, all, all these different creatures get involved. Oh, but here's a question: homework, homework. Okay. I think the Horda, the first time you see it, is one of the things that just really makes you go, "Oh man, <laughs> what's the 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 least believable looking creature?" <laughs> I mean, you know, there's the Mugatu. Uh huh. There's the the um, the uh, pipe cleaner figures from Cat's Paw. Those are pretty bad. Those are pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Although, watching this when I was much younger, I thought the Horda was really cool. Really? Yes. Oh my god! It took me, you know, to be older to kind of go, "Wow, that's a really cheap special effect." But no, when I was a kid, I thought it was pretty cool. Um. The dog with a horn and false eyelashes very bad. in very, uh, very, Enemy Within. That was bad. <laughs> I, even then, I thought that was bad. <laughs> the poor dog. And the other m- most unlikely animal would have to be the space hippies. <laughs> Chicken to eat. What else has that guy been in? <laughs> we reach. <laughs> I'm surprised one of them didn't say, I grok spot. <laughs> I'm sure it was in the script. They had to cut it because Heinlein would have sued them. Okay. While we were talking about this, I just Googled it, and it wasn't a profic. It was a Diane Duane book. That's well, why. Okay. So, what book was it? Um, it's called The Wounded Sky, 1985. This is old. old yeah. Old. A metaphysical rump with a crystal spider, as only Duane can do. Oh, it. I thought you were telling me the Horda. No, no, no. This is the spider thing. Oh, okay. So. Okay. So we found the crystal spider. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> Yeah. I couldn't have slept. 
<laughs> but we still don't don't know about the horde. We don't know about the horde. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, tell us the other weird creatures. I mean, actually, as far as just physical appearance, tribbles were believable. Yeah, because they so. were just little fuzzy yeah. things. The um, the things in Operation Annihilate, the fake vomit, <laughs> yeah. which we've had on our backs. <laughs> Is that to say that? Yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I'm trying to think of others. Well, the, you know, the, the intelligent alien kind of super beings always looked sort of big-headed. And Marvin Belli. Yeah. <laughs> In a shower ugly, curtain. Very ugly. Very, very ugly. But, and uh, um, the spores, the, the plants that shoot spores. <laughs> yeah. Those were just plain silly. You know, I have to admit to a little fondness for Val. <laughs> the dragon whose eyes light up. Uh-huh. He cracks me up. He's like an amusement park ride. Yeah! Like, um, he should be part of the Pirates of the Caribbean thing. Or, or you know, his his big mouth, that's where you enter for the... The, the fun house. The dragon fun house. The dragon yeah. fun house. Yeah. Yep, yep, I agree with that. Yeah. You know, they did a good job with the budget that they had for oh, this yeah. crap, I think so. I actually think, um, now that we're on this topic... Now, we always thought Landrew looked like Liberace. <laughs> he did. <laughs> but hair. we also thought um, Trelane uh, was Liberace, so... I always felt like the best aliens that they did on TOS were the ones that, that were incorporeal, that you never really knew mm-hmm. what they looked like, when it was just like a spinning thing out like in Trelane's space. Like parents. Like Trelane's parents, or even, even the Tholians. I mean, mm-hmm. you never really knew what the Tholians looked like. They had this cool spaceship, and then you yeah. kind of saw them, but it wasn't really clear what you were seeing. It wasn't their face, certainly. Do you know what I thought was actually kind of cool looking? Was the, the one, the time we finally see a Metron at oh, the yeah. end of the Gorn episode? Uh-huh. Yeah, that was that was interesting. I thought that, that the way that they did the aliens in um, Menagerie. Yeah. That was cool, you know, that they... Except they, for the butt cracks well, at the back you of know, skull. But. but the fact that they, you know, they cast women and they had them with these big heads and everything and they didn't talk. It was like, that That was interesting, you mm-hmm. know, it was a different sort of thing. And the Organians were just energy, you know, even yes. though they took form. So that was that was cool also. So I guess I, I kind of prefer it when they, they do something that's non-humanoid because the humanoid thing is just so obvious. Right, right. Yeah. And what was the, the, the entity that was in um, Day of the Dove? That was also just like a spinning wheel. Yeah, it thing. was. It was like a, a pinwheel. Yeah, that was cool. I yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, thought, I always liked the Tholians. I thought they were, I mean, for being bad guys, they were cool mm-hmm. bad guys. Cool bad they were guys. They very cool. They had a web. <laughs> they did have a web. They made their own web. Yeah. It was cool. I bet they have a vault of eternity. I'm sure. They have a, a, a web of whoopee, a web of whoopee <laughs> web. or something. I'm sure they probably have some word when, for when they, they capture um, a, an enemy ship in their web. Yeah. You know. Well, another, another pilgrim to the space um, gargantua. You know, there is a race that has silly pretentious names for things, and it's Klingons. They have. All, they are so worse than Spock. They are. They have all kinds of names for things, <laughs> and they use you know. They they talk like Vikings. They're always they, they just. So there you go. That's speaking where it of went. races with silly rituals and stuff. When I was writing a story that I had a Vulcan ritual in, a serious story and everything, uh, but you know, wildcats baiting it. And at one point, she goes. You know, sometimes I just really have to wonder about all these Vulcan rituals, and you know. How do how do the the kids learn them? <laughs> we just had this whole thing going about 
Dad, can I go out and play? No, you have to practice your rituals. And there's like a bazillion of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. But they like that kind of stuff. It helps I them guess. think logically. It helps them focus. Well, and they have the um, the hall of the ancient bowling balls or whatever that's, <laughs> that's called. True. When do Vulcan kids go out and play? Never. Well, there, there were Vulcan kids who made little Vulcan Spock cry. Yeah, but that was probably like... In school, in Vulcan dancing school or whatever. <laughs> Where oh, they learned the Hoochie Exactly. What Spock says, right? <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of a dance Vulcan school children uh, doing, you know, she's like pushing it in Kirk's face. <laughs> wow. What kind of school did you go to? They get it all out of their systems when they're little. Yeah. And that's oh, it. And they never do it again. Never. Never do okay. it again. Okay. Okay. They, they spend it. a lot of time working on these rituals, though. And, mo- and amazingly, most of them are sexual. <laughs> for for um, a species that fucks once every seven mm-hmm. years, they've got... Of course, you know, if that was the, the case, you'd probably be pretty obsessed with sex. I think so. And at some point, you know there's a ritual when they get a stick up their butt. Because <laughs> <laughs> they all have them. <laughs> It's, it's their, their, um, their, like, passage into adulthood, kind of like their bar mitzvah. <laughs> the stick up the butt ritual. Yeah. Yeah. The stick mitzvah. <laughs> they never speak of it to our world. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. <laughs> oh, this is pretty silly now. It, well, okay, maybe it's time maybe to it's stop. Time to go. Because we're about to reveal secrets that outworlders should not know. We should be not. We should not be speaking of this. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, um, is that it? I think that's it. Uh, let me just check our list one more time, and um, yeah, that's pretty much all we needed to talk about. Good work. Uh, it's going to be good. So, I think the next episode after this will be the interview with Echo. Or we can post that independently whenever we want. We could we do that. So at some point, somewhere, you guys will see an interview with the wonderful Echo. Yes. Uh, conducted by JK and Nami. Yep. Flying solo. Flying solo. And then, um, what do we have coming up? Uh, are there things that we were planning on doing? We have things coming up. We do. And at some point, Star Trek, the tour, sans punctuation, will be. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, and Bill's book. Oh, yeah. Which uh, is coming out soon. Is coming out in May. In May. You can pre-order that mm-hmm. in uh, at Amazon if you want. Yeah. And uh, I believe... Bill's autobiography, I should preface that because he's got a lot of books. Yeah. Uh, and I believe they've finished the season for Boston Legal now, right? Well, um, from what I have been reading, because the writer's strike has gone on so long that that pretty much kills the possibility of there being any more shows mm-hmm. That aren't already in the can for just about every show. Yeah. So um, I think it's going to be an abbreviated season. Mm-hmm. They'll probably run out of new apps to show us pretty soon. Yeah. Um, so, you know, who knows? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, you guys keep thinking about your homework. I'm sure That's there's right. other things you need to tell us. Yeah. And um, we'll be back next time.